Hey Coastal, it's Pastor TJ here, and we're so glad that you're joining us online this weekend. We got some of our dream team here with us for worship today. And honestly, church, we cannot wait to see you next weekend. Uh, I hope you've been paying attention to the emails and the videos that we're putting out about everything that's happening, how you get your tickets, how you are able to attend services this upcoming week. But we are pumped to see you. But this weekend, we have a special treat. In fact, uh, one of my very, very good friends, his name is Justin Daly. He pastors an incredible church in Orlando, Florida called the Action Church. Uh, has four locations reaching about 5,500 people every single weekend. We're actually going to join in with their service this weekend. And he's going to be speaking not only to his church, but our church as well. And so I hope you enjoy Pastor Justin Daly. If you give it up for Coastal Church, Pastor TJ and Shayla. We love you guys. We're so honored that you're joining us here uh, in our service, being streamed to your service as well. Week three of Rain. It's been this idea that God is not a God of a, of a democratic society or a democratic nation or a democratic kingdom. It's, it's fact, they're actually opposites. That kingdom means that, that opinions don't matter very much. That he is supreme. That our God is the creator and we are the created. And in a kingdom, authority is the key. So therefore, our job as, as participants or people in the kingdom of God, that the greatest value we can have is the value of humility expressed through surrendering our life and, and control of our life to an all-knowing God. The, the theme of this series and the theme of the message is that our vulnerability gives Jesus the ability to fight and overcome everything that we struggle with. And there is, there's actually freedom in the surrender. And if you are not a believer in here, you may not uh, uh, see that in your life. You may think that's kind of counterintuitive. I'm just here to tell you that if you've given your life to Jesus, you know what I'm saying. There's ultimate freedom when you realize that I'm not in complete control, that there is somebody that knows more, that cares more about me, that I even care about myself, and has prepared a place for me in his kingdom, but we have to get this idea of surrender in our life. Psalm 97 has been our, our theme passage. We're gonna read verses one and then nine through 12. It says, the Lord is king. Not elected official, not president, not governor, he is king. He is in control, let the earth rejoice. For you, O Lord, are supreme over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You who love the Lord, you hate evil. He protects the lives of his godly people and rescues them from the power of the wicked. Light shines on the godly people. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about the, the light that, that God wants to shine on our life. That, that too many of us in America, too many of us in the church are walking in darkness. We are blinded to the things that God wants to do in our life. So light shines on the godly and joy on those whose hearts are right. May all who are godly rejoice in the Lord and praise his holy name. We're gonna be spending the rest of our time together today in John chapter nine, John's gospel, and we're actually gonna study the whole chapter together today. I know that that's, that's like, whoa, we're gonna study, yeah, 41 verses, like the whole chapter. We're gonna read it and everything. Some of you are gonna go through the first uh, chapter of the Bible in your whole life today. Don't worry, we'll be done in 35 minutes. John chapter nine is the story of the blind beggar. Remember we mentioned that a, a few weeks ago, the blind beggar that Jesus heals. See, he's on his road in ministry, comes across this blind beggar and the disciples ask him some questions. We'll get to that in just a moment. Whose sin 
caused this. He said, no sin caused this. This was actually destined right now that this, this disease on this man was not placed by God, but it's gonna be used by God for his glory. And, and Jesus heals him. He spits in the dirt, makes mud, rubs it on his eyes, which I'm just here to tell you today, Jesus' spit was still spit. He was fully, man, that's nasty. Like Jesus, we're gonna see that God is not so much obsessed with the methods. I actually think he did this just for fun. The Pharisees have been trying to trap him. He heals this guy on the Sabbath with his own spit. I think he's just at this point saying, hey, watch this. Like you guys keep trying to put me in this religious box or actually... He, they keep him out of their religious box. And he says, I'm just gonna keep doing these things to kind of throw you for a loop. Where he heals this guy, he wipes mud on his eyes, says, go to the pool, and once you rinse off, you'll be able to see. And that's where we stopped in Sunday school at my church. That's where I've stopped in teaching this quite a bit. But the next 32, 33 verses are fascinating because we begin to see these people who can't explain the supernatural power of God. They're, they're blinded to the things of God. They begin to argue and, and bring in all of these different opinions and try and find this evidence. And, and it ends in verse, uh, verses 38 or so through 41 where Jesus is rebuking these Pharisees. And I really wanna, I wanna read that rebuke to us today because I think that the Spirit of God could be rebuking or removing or exposing some blind spots in our life that we're, we're walking in darkness. Here's what Jesus says to these, these Pharisees, and if we're not careful, we could fall into these same traps that we see in John chapter 9. It's actually verse 39. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. So he's coming in to, to give light and, and, and open the eyes of the blind, lost people, and then religious people, people think they've got it all together, tucked in, figured it out, I'm better than you, I'm more powerful than you, I'm wealthier than you, I, I have it all put together a little more than you. I'm, I'm here to show them that they don't really have it together like they think they do. Some Pharisees who are standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we are blind? Jesus said, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim that you can see. If we're gonna allow God to reign in our life, if we are going to live according to his will, if we are gonna walk according to his path and, and really achieve or fulfill God's plan for our life, then we are gonna have to remove some of these things that, that blind us. We are gonna have to walk in the light and not be people that walk in the darkness. Let's start in reading in verse one uh, of chapter uh, nine. And it says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Blind from birth, rabbis, disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It's important. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. Something important here you need to know. We live in a fallen world. When, when sin entered at the Garden of Eden, we, we live in a fallen world and sin uh, is upon us. It's in us. We have a sinful nature and therefore bad things happen. God does not orchestrate bad things. He does not orchestrate disease and tragedy, but he does use them. 
doesn't cause them, but he does use them. That's what he's saying here is that, that this man was born blind, but that God set a divine appointment today for his blindness to be healed because there was something greater going on. And our human nature would say, well, that doesn't sound very fair. I need to be really clear that God does not obligate himself to your version of fairness. That he says he is just and that he is right and that he is king and that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So he's not really concerned with your version of his fairness. He has a much bigger game that, that he is playing. It says the night is coming uh, and then we, no one can work. That's why it's important to be people of action. That's why it's important to serve our community here in Orlando and in Fort Lauderdale and in Parkland. It's, it's important to not just be people that sit and listen, but people that go because we don't know how long we're going to be here to help people. So he's saying, hey, be about kingdom business. What he's showing here is don't miss opportunities that you would ordinarily walk by. But while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with his saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind, catch this. You, I missed this the first two services. Check this. Verse eight, his neighbors and others who knew him as the blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, others said, no, he just looks like him. People that knew him. His neighbors and others that knew him were like, isn't that, no, I'm not sure, isn't, and he was known, he was known as a blind beggar. No name listed. No, like, hey, that's, that's Joseph, or that's John, or that's Peter, or that's Andrew. No, hey, that's the blind beggar. And too many of us, too many Christians are walking in darkness because you're blinded by your own condition. That he, he's identified, he's named, and he lives his whole life until this point as a blind beggar. There's nothing else to this guy except they know that he sits here every single day and that he's blind and that he begs. And too many of us walk with this same blindness of our condition, that I have this heaviness that's on me due to loss or grief or pain, that, that I have this, this depression, this anxiety, this, this guilt. I, I was abused or I was an abuser. I was an addict. I was divorced. I, I was an adulterer. We, we have our condition of, of who we are. I, I, I am lame. I am disabled. And somebody spoke something over you or something happened to you and you're blinded by your own condition. And so many times, stuff has happened to us and stuff has been said about us, but the dots we connect in our own brain are far worse. I don't know if you're like me, but I tell the best lies to myself. Something happens. Somebody ignores you. Somebody doesn't text you back. Somebody walks by you in small group. You get passed over the promotion and you begin to work out all of these scenarios in your brain of they think this and they think that and they know that and I hate them. And you've worked out a murder plot before the end of the day and they just didn't see you. 
But the enemy knows what happened to you as a child and what happened to you as a young adult and what happened to you in a former relationship. And he's connecting all of these dots and you are believing everything. And now I am that person. I am rejected. I am neglected. I am looked past and I am not thought about and I am all of these things. And it's just not true. Real practical, this is not a Bible verse, this is not a, a, you don't need a doctorate to figure this out. When you begin to use your condition and it, and it blinds you, those thoughts, just begin to say them out loud. Not declaring them over your life, that's the opposite. I'm saying say the stupid things that you're thinking so that you can hear it and be like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> they don't hate me, they just didn't see me. They are not the person that abused me. They are not whatever you fill in the blank with. Just say it out loud. We're blinded by our condition. But there's healing in Jesus' name. Notice the healing. The healing came from Jesus. And you know the only person that can heal you, both physically or eternally, is Jesus. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit through the cross, and the only thing is the power of God that can heal you and heal me. But notice that the healing was not just started by Jesus, which it was, but it didn't stop there. There was a path or there was a step of obedience that was required from this blind beggar. He didn't just wipe the mud and say, hey, you're healed, now you can see. He said, hey, go take a couple of steps of faith. Maybe he wiped mud on his eyes, not just for the Pharisees, but for him. Like, do you actually believe, or do you think, who is this idiot spitting on me? And he puts his faith in Jesus, the Savior. He goes to the pool, and he walks out seeing. What steps do you need to take today in obedience, in faith, to see God remove that condition, remove that thing from your life? I'm just here to tell you today, that you are more than your condition. That's right. That you are more than what you struggle with. Yes, You're just more. Amen. And God has so much more for you. Can you imagine this blind beggar? He goes into the pool. He wipes his eyes. Smells the spit still all over him. He just put yourself in that scene. And for the first time ever, he looks up and sees the sky. Can you imagine how blue the sky would be to somebody who is a grown man for the first time seeing the sun and seeing the clouds? Can you imagine him seeing the tree that he used to sit by? He felt the bark and he felt the roots and he felt the leaves, but now he can see God's design in the tree. Can you imagine when he saw his parents for the first time, he had felt their face and he had heard their voice, but now he sees the love of his father and of his mother and he, his eyes are open open to these new things. Can you imagine? And can you imagine what your life would be like if you saw yourself the way Jesus sees you? Not through your condition, not through what happened to you, but through the eyes of the cross of somebody who loves you in spite of everything. I'm just here to tell you today that too many of us are not allowing God to reign in our life because we're blinded. We're blinded by our own condition, the things that have happened to us. Let's keep reading together in verse, uh, verse 9 of chapter 9. It says this, uh, let's go to verse 10. It says, they asked him, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go into the pool and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud uh, over my eyes and when I washed it away, I could see. 
Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God. You gotta catch this church. This man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Talk about missing the whole point. A dude just got healed. He was blind, everybody knew him, now he can see this man cannot be of God because he did it on the wrong day. God, that doesn't sound like some religious people that I know. You're doing it the wrong way. I don't know that there's a wrong way to lead people into eternity. It's Jesus. It's just, it's just Jesus. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do miraculous signs? So there was, catch this, there was a deep division of opinion among them. We're blinded by our condition, church, but the second thing that blinds us, that keeps us in darkness, keeps us from God reigning in our life, is we're blinded by our own opinion. We're blinded by our opinions. Man, we, we, love, we love some opinions. Opinions are just facts now. Do you know that? Like you can just say it and it's real. Like just, you don't have to look any further than what's going on in our nation with, with even, even the pandemic we're in. Like you just, you say it and you can build a graph and it's true. And I built that graph on my computer in my basement. But it's true. We love them. We've idolized our opinions. We, and I, I see how we got there. And I'm not even here today to talk about social issues. Go back and watch the last couple of weeks. Because I understand why we're divided. I, I, don't, I don't like it. I hope it doesn't stay that way. But I understand how we're divided politically. I really do. I understand how there's great people on both sides. I understand how we're divided on, on some social issues. I, I, I really do. I think God's the God of reconciliation. And, and I think if we pray and humble ourselves, I think the church can lead the way. But I, I understand. But I don't, I don't understand how we're divided on our opinion of God's standard, of God's word, of God's supremacy in our life. I just don't understand how as a church that we're, we're divided, except that we've idolized our own opinions. Like I, I can't tell you how many times that, that I see Christians, and I've even experienced this in leading our church, where, where we disagree on a matter, and I say, you know what, that's, that's your opinion, and this is my opinion, but let's, let's put both those opinions down. Let's just go to, to God's word and let's go, let's go read it together and let's see what God says about it. Go figure, that's a great idea. And so we go read it and we get to it and they say, you know what, I, 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 I hear you and I, and I see that, but I, I, that's just, I don't agree. Like we're talking like New Testament if you're new to church, red letters, like underline red. Like if you don't know the red, that's like what Jesus said. Like the second part of the Trinity, like the son of God, the one that you claim to have accepted that, that died for you in your place, but now he can't speak into your life. So Jesus is good enough to die for you, but he can't speak to your darkness. And they say, no, I don't, that's, that's not for me. This isn't a buffet. It's not a pick and choose. This is a eat your vegetables, son. Like you may not like it, but it's on the plate. Right. And it's for dinner. That's right. We've idolized our opinion. I just don't agree. I don't, he doesn't care, by the way. He's God and you're not. Here's another way we do it. And I've been guilty of this. I've led Bible studies this way. And I, and I see, again, I see how we got there, but we gotta stop it as believers because we've idolized our own opinion. We are blinded by our own opinion, just like these Pharisees, and we do it like this. We've got a Bible study, men's Bible study, women's Bible study, great small groups at Action Church. But here's what we do. I've done it before. We read this, this passage and we read a scripture and then we go down there and say, now, what does this mean to you? Oh, Hallelujah. Now, what does this mean to you? 
Oh, yeah, praise God. Now, what does this mean to you? Yep, bless him. Wait, it meant three different things. It's because it doesn't matter what it meant to you. It matters what it means. Scripture is not, what does it mean to you? It's what does it mean? Catch this, is what does it mean, and then how does it apply to you? See, we're trying to change it and say, what does it mean to me? That's not up for debate. It's what does it actually mean in context to what it was written, and then how does what does it mean define actually apply to my life? It's quiet. It's quiet here at Action and Coastal. I think you may, may be a little more spiritual than us, but that's tough. Nobody likes Brussels sprouts. Nobody wants to hear this type of stuff, but it's just we've idolized our opinions. I was reminded of James chapter one this week. James chapter one. Let's put up on the screen if we could. You must all be slow to listen and quick to speak and even, even quicker to become angry. Is that what that says? Then why are we all living that way? Like why are we? That's not, that, those aren't big words. Come on. You must all be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What if as believers, we, we listened to where people were coming from? We talked about two weeks ago, empathy. What if we had more empathy? Where are you coming from? And I'm slow, then I'm, then I'm gonna go take where you're coming from. I'm gonna take it to, to God's word. So now I have the heart of somebody who loves you. Now I have the truth that only comes from God's word. Now slowly, I'm gonna begin to speak some wisdom from God's word into your situation. It's amazing, we never really would get to the third one if we were slower to speak and quicker to listen. We wouldn't be as angry. But here's what we do. We, we read it backwards. It's like in English, like we're reading it in Hebrew. You know, Hebrew, you read right to left. It's like we've, we've flipped it. Like we've complicated this and we, we are quick to become angry and then we're quick to speak. You know, the problem with that church is if you're quick to anger and quick to speak, nobody's listening when you talk. Except for the people that think like you already. And that's not gonna build any bridges for people to get the gospel. It's only gonna build barriers. Must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We're laying down our opinions and we're picking up God's truth. Let's read this. I wanna bring a couple more thoughts to this and then we'll move on to the third one. We are in verse 17. Verse 17. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leader still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. Again, they are discounting the miracle right in front of him. So they called his parents. They asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He is old enough to speak for himself. I love that line. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he is old enough, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man back in who had been blind. These guys are not getting it. Like we're just, I mean, we're, God's given them every opportunity to get it. Just time, second time, they bring him back in. God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Verse 25, this is my favorite verse in the chapter. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I can see. Like I don't have all the answers for you, 
I don't have the whole New Testament memorized. I haven't figured out this whole action church thing. I'm only in step one of action steps. I've only been to one small group. I don't have it all figured out to whoever's asking this question, but all I know is I was blind and now I can see. And that is where we start in sharing the gospel with people. It's with your experience. It's the facts of your experience that I was blind and now I can see, that I was lost and now I'm found, that I was addicted and now I'm free, that I was, that I was broken and now I'm restored. And that is where we start. But I need to challenge you with something, church. That is the start. That is not the end. This is going to sound really harsh. Your story has never changed anyone's eternity. And we let people off the hook with it. Just share your experience. Your experience is the introduction. Let me say it this way. Your story is the intro to his story that actually changes people's life. And so you have to, you have to get to a point where you don't stop at facts, that your facts lead them to care about the truth, that you say, he did it for me, he can do it for you. What are you talking about? Now I share the word of God and the truth of God that will actually light up the darkness in their life. It's the facts that lead to the truth that leads to life change. And we've got to get rid of our conditions and our opinions. We've got to give them to Jesus. And here's the third one. Write this down. We're blinded. We're blinded by our religion or our tradition. We're blinded by our religion or our tradition. Let's read 26 through 34 and then we'll close. But what did he do? They asked. How did he heal you? Again, they're still asking the wrong question. They're asking how. What is the method? What did he do? Why did he do it on the Sabbath? They are asking and offended about the wrong things. They're missing the main point that Jesus, the Messiah, is standing right in front of them. Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I like this guy, a little sarcasm. It's a spirit of sarcasm right here in John chapter nine. Thank you, Jesus. I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm if you can't tell. Pray for me. Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple. Catch this. You are his disciple. But we, the haughty, the religious, the educated, the church, the keepers of the law, we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Just pause for a second. They're believing something that somebody told them over what they can see right in their face. God. I love what Moses did. Part of the Red Sea, patriarch of our faith, one of the great men of the Christian faith, but they are passing up the Son of God for a normal man because they can understand because it was a story. So many, so many times we can celebrate what, so many times we can celebrate what God did, but we can't believe what he wants to do in our own life. That's for somebody else. If they're disciples of Moses, he parted the Red Sea and a million people walked across on dry ground, but they can't believe that a blind man can see? Wow. He can part a whole sea, but he can't use a little bit of water to let two eyes come to life? In our tradition, our religion, we, we miss the main thing right in front of us. So why that's very strange, the man replied, he healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. Verse 34, 
you were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. The miracle was in their midst and they expelled it. They excommunicated, they removed the power of God. Why? Because traditions stifle growth. Here's what I wrote down this week because I was thinking about this, this point in our time together. We will settle for a memory and miss the moment. If your memories keep you from moving forward, then you've turned what God did into something that now blocks what he wants to do. You've made a memory into a memoir, a relic, or even an idol. Because we said, look at what God did. And we begin to worship what he did and how he did it instead of who he is. And that's why traditions need to be celebrated. Moves of God need to be celebrated because it stirs our faith. But if it does not stir our faith to then change and morph and reach in a new way, then we've missed the point. That's the whole point of the mud on the eyes that God's never gonna do the same thing consistently because we'll, as people begin to worship the religion of the method instead of the message of Jesus Christ. That's why Action Church will continue to change. Not once, we talked about the truth. I don't even need to. And I know Coastal's the same way. We're not gonna change the truth, but if we need to do different outreaches and different versions of small groups and different versions of action steps and we don't do do music the way we do it, or cameras, or light. it doesn't matter. It's not, we're not worshiping the method. We're worshiping the message of Jesus Christ. And people who love religion and tradition always miss the relational and the supernatural side of the gospel. Because we're living in darkness. My whole goal for our time together today was to, to light up the darkness with the word of God and the truth of God. So that we see a little clearer. Let me illustrate it this way. How, how, many, uh, how many morning people do we have in the house? Come on, Action Church, come on, Coastal. Morning people, the holy ones. How many late night people? A lot of naps. Come on, catch it. It's the 12.30 service for us. Yeah, I get it, I get it. I see, I see how you got there. That's my bad, that's my bad. Should use a different illustration. That's my fault. Come on, South Florida. Got some sleepy, sleepy people down in South Florida, I'm sure. I'm the morning person. My wife is the night person and the napper. And so that always is a, a, little, a little tense in the house, especially on vacation. Come on, we go on vacation. If you're a morning person, you know that you all go on vacation, and vacation is planned. Like we're gonna have breakfast at nine, we're gonna do, go to a little workout, we're gonna play a little golf, we're gonna do a little relaxation, we're gonna schedule relaxation from three to 4.30, that's when we're gonna relax. Oh. I wanna relax right now. No, 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 it's not time to relax, it's time to eat. Relaxing starts in four hours and 43 minutes. Be prepared to relax. It's gonna be great. Very relaxing. <laughs> On vacation, I have, a, I have a built-in, I think, stewardship clock in my own brain. It's about 8.30 or 9 a.m. Stephanie needs to be out of bed. Like we have flown here, we are on vacation. It is time for you to wake up. It is time for us to get to the business of vacation. So there's a moment when you go in, you've all been there in a, in a hotel, you know, you have the two type of shades. You have the see-through shades. Be careful with those if you're getting out of the shower. We can see through them. Just be careful. And then you have the what? You have like the, 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 uh, the, the blinders, the, the ones that come in that, that, to cancel all light, like the, the dark shades. 
And that's for if you've flown in from overseas, international, they're blackout. You can't see anything. It could be two in the morning or two in the afternoon and you can't see anything. Stephanie loves those. Those are pulled tight. There's a moment where I feel compelled as the spiritual leader of our household. I'm being so stupid. As a, I just want to get her out of bed. And so there's a certain point where I just rip open those shades. How many of you know that reaction is pretty much always the same? Oh my gosh. It's head over the pillow. It's, oh, shut those blinds. It's, it's, it's painful when that amount of light comes into a dark place. Because some of us, even as Christians, have grown too accustomed to the darkness. The darkness of our condition, the, the darkness of our opinion, or the darkness of our religion. And I'm just here to tell you, when you're in that spot, if you've been in the darkness long enough, you can see just enough. When you get up at night, you can see just enough to get to the bathroom and just enough to get a glass of water and just enough where you don't kick your shin on the nightstand. When you're in the darkness, you can be functional, but you can never be fulfilled. And there is a, there is a light that comes in, but it's not easy. It's through messages like this and small groups and accountability where you read God's word and you think, I've got to change some things. Because you're like, oh, don't, don't say that to me. I don't want to hear that. That, that. I have to change something. I have to, I have to get adjusted to the light. And your eyes always, it, it's a little blurry at first. You're like, oh my gosh, I've never seen the sun before. Like it really is like the first time every time and everything's a little blurry. You don't quite know what to do or where to start or how to live differently. But there's a time and a discipleship process and accountability and community where you begin to get adjusted to God's standard and God's word and God's God's ways, and I'm just here to tell you it's way better to operate in the light than it is in the darkness. So we've got to allow the light of God. I believe he wants to do that today, and I want to read some scriptures over you. No opinion, no sermonizing, just some scriptures over your life. Genesis 1 says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Isaiah 9, 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's skip down for time's sake. Romans 13, verse 12. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. I believe that day is not just near for a lot of you in this room and at Coastals. Well, I believe that day is right now. That you've allowed the light into some areas, some rooms, but you've got some doors shut. You've got some compartments where you keep the things that you don't want God to be a part of. And I wonder if you just open those up today. It's gonna be painful at first. It's gonna take some time to adjust to some new habits and a new way of living. Your opinions will not die easy. Your condition will not go away overnight, the memory of it. The enemy will use it. But it declares that God separates the light from the darkness and there will be a time where if you give it to him, he will light up everything in your life. 
and you don't have to settle for functional anymore. You don't have to settle for failing or falling short. You can be fulfilled. Finish with Ephesians 5, 8. For you, all of us, were once in darkness, but now you are light. You are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. I wonder if we allow the Spirit of God to remove the, the blinders in these areas and lived as children of light in the kingdom of God, how much more we would see God reign, how much more we'd see God move, and how much more we would see his kingdom advance because of our faithful service in it. Would you bow your heads today, Action Church Coastal as well. God, we love you. God, we thank you for your word in John chapter nine. We thank you that it's living and active and that you used it today to change us. God, I pray all of us leave changed. Church, every head bowed and every eye closed. If today you feel the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, that today is the day you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus, who lived for you a perfect life, died as you a sinner's death in your place, without blemish, but took everything you've ever struggled with and was raised to a new life, giving you and I victory in Jesus' name. I believe many of you are gonna receive Jesus today for the first time. But I feel like today's message maybe even more, is a message of, of recommitment. Because so many of us have surrendered some, have surrendered part, have allowed God to access some of the darkness, but I'm here to tell you that he, he only is Lord when you give him everything. What if you recommitted your life today and said, God, have it all, every part of me. So come on, church, for the first time, brand new decision for the first time in a long time recommitting your life. Would you raise your hand right where you are and say, I need Jesus to reign in my life. Come on. This is our time. we got one, two, three. Come on. Coastal. Anybody watching online? Right where you are. God is moving. Just a sign of surrender. Say, that's me. I'm raising my hand. I'm making a decision today to start a relationship with Jesus. You can put your hands down. Pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. Say this. Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are Lord. And I'm giving you that place today, complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. It's your name we pray. Now, God, I pray for everybody here. God, I pray our church that Jesus, you would reign supreme. That sickness will bow in our bodies and our minds and our hearts. The sickness will bow in our nation because we're gonna lead the charge of justice and equality and loving others, loving our neighbors. We love ourselves. And the idols, idols are gonna fall down because we are gonna prioritize the kingdom over our own personal preference. And God, we're believing that darkness will run out of every corner of our life today because we're allowing you, Holy Spirit, to speak to every part of us. We love you. God, we thank you for the gift that is the word and the truth of God that we've been able to share together the past three weeks. I pray that it would change us in Jesus' name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Church, can we celebrate all the decisions? Come on, really celebrate them. <laughs>